Broadcasting live from the Wellness Wonderland, you're listening to the Wellness Wonderland Radio. I'm Katie, and each week I chat with the most inspirational people on the planet on how to stay inspired in all areas of life. As you listen, feel free to tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, or use the hashtag Wellness Wonderland. I'd love to hear your aha moments. So grab your headphones and listen on the go, or cuddle up with a notebook as we dive in deep with authentic conversations right here in Wonderland. What's up, guys? Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. My name is Katie. I'm your host, and we are going to get into today's interview very quickly. It's a fantastic one, really heavy on the body image stuff and the self-care stuff. Really great conversation with someone I really, really like and have gotten to know over the past couple years through the podcasting realm, which is super cool. So before we get into that, a couple announcements at the top of the show, like usual. I feel like I have so much to tell you guys, but I'm going to try to keep this short. Number one, my book is coming out. As you know, Let It Out, A Journey Through Journaling comes out April 5th, depending on when you're listening to this. It is a very soon, might be very, very soon, and might be already out. So go ahead and either pre-order that or order that. It's a great way to support the show and help with the book launch. I put so much into this book, and I'm really proud of it, and I'm really excited about it. And the reactions from the people who have gotten advanced copies of it have been really, really awesome. So thank you to everyone who pre-ordered it already. It means the world to me, and we are actually number one in our category on Amazon, which is so cool already just for new releases. So that's really cool. It's a pretty niche category of journaling and self-help, but you know, I will take it. I'm psyched about it. It is super cool that the book's going to be out. And speaking of, I will be in New York City the week that the book comes out. So if you want to hang out with myself and other people who listen to the podcast, you have two really fun opportunities. Number one, we're doing a live podcast at Theater Lab. It's a really cool theater that I will be doing a live podcast episode with my friend and podcast bestie, Christy Harrison. You know Christy Harrison. You love Christy Harrison. She's been on my show twice. I've been on her show twice. We want to collaborate more, and this is the first collaboration officially that we're doing together. So we're going to do a swap cast at Theater Lab with an amazing cast of characters. So all the info on that is online. You can buy tickets on my website. You can buy tickets in the show notes of this podcast. Um, The link is there. And tickets are $10. It's going to be a really fun time. Great panel of people, people who have been on my podcast, some people who haven't been on my podcast. Caroline Dooner is one of the people. She's going to be playing a song, Kelsey Miller. It's going to be fantastic. Get your tickets. Be there. Can't wait. That's Tuesday, April 5th. And the next day, stay in town if you're coming to town. And if you're in town, fantastic. April 6th at Ginger Snap Organic in the West Village of New York City. I will be there with my friends and mentors, Jordan Bach, who's been on the show twice, and Gabby Bernstein, are co-hosting a party for me there at Ginger Snap. And you guys know the owner of Ginger Snap, Jamie. So huge shout out to Jamie and Ginger Snap for letting us use the space. We'll be there. We'll be signing books. And a lot of people have been asking about if you need tickets for that event. And the ticket to that event is just the book. So you can buy the book right there. I'll have them available. So just the price of the book is the ticket. And you'll get the book. And I'll sign it. Gabby will sign it. Gabby wrote the foreword to the book. Um... 
it's going to be a really great time. So just come hang out. I would love to see you. I'd love to give hugs in person. It's going to be a really chill night. A bunch of my friends will be there as well. Simi, who's one of my best friends, who's been on the podcast, she's actually coming with me to New York, and she will be there. Sasha will be there, who I love, who I'm staying with. Um, Just so many cool people will be there. My friend Steph is coming. Like, so many cool people are going to be there, and I'm just blown away by all the reactions. I want to give a huge shout-out, actually, before we move on to the Ambassador crew. You guys are really top-notch people. That's really what I have to say about that. Thank you so much for sharing the book and talking about the book. And if you're not officially one of the ambassadors, you could be one by just sharing about the book and maybe telling a friend about it. If you like it, that'd be really cool. And I know you maybe haven't read it yet, but when you do read it, that would be really cool. And if not, you know, just enjoy the book yourself. Have your own experience with it. That's really what I want. So thank you to everyone with your support with the book. It really does take a village to launch a book. That's what I've been learning. So thank you to everyone who's been helping me. Thank you so much to my podcast producer, Amanda, who I know is listening to this right now. I love you. I love everyone listening. I'm going to hurry on up and get into the episode. If you haven't left a review on iTunes, really great way to help the show. If you want to share it with a friend, really great way to help the show. Another really big thing. So... Summer NNN is today's guest, so cat's out of the bag on that. And she has this amazing program about how to really embody the stuff we're talking about in this episode and feel really good in your body and go as far as love your body, which is really challenging for women in our society. And we talk about that a lot, and I talk about that a lot. So I did her program, and I really, really enjoyed it, and she has some free videos that are available. So I actually made you guys a little link to make this super easy, and it's kind of funny what I decided to name it, so you'll remember it maybe. So it's bit.ly summer body love. So bit.ly summer body love. I don't know. I had summer body, and then I was like, oh, that sounds really like gimmicky and diety and like something that would be on a... Um, you know, women's magazine. So I added love at the end. So summer body love bit.ly slash the slash that goes over to the right summer body love bit.ly summer body love or you can just click right on the album cover head right straight into the show notes and it's right there for you too so you can check out her free video series and I thought it was fantastic I really just summer's a really nice person she's super cool and you'll get to hear about her right about now so here's a little bit of music and then the interview and have a really really great week that's all I've got for you this week I love you guys I'll see you next week. Actually, I won't see you. You'll hear me. Welcome back, everyone. I am so excited to be with none other than Summer Inanen, and she's so cool. Although, I haven't really gotten to know her on the other side of being the host when I was on her podcast. So I'm so excited to be able to turn the tables on summer and get to know you more. She's a fellow podcast host of Fearless Rebel Radio, and she's a really amazing coach that I'm excited to learn more about today. So thanks for being here, Summer. Thank you for having me, Katie. I am, I'm excited to be here. I'm, ha- I'm excited to have you turn the tables. <laughs> yeah. So obviously, you know all about my story because I came on your podcast and I know about your story just from knowing you from, you know, our community, I feel like is like really tiny. Like, I feel like we all kind of know each other. And yes. um, 
and what we what we do online, which is amazing and so cool. Um, but I'm really excited to hear your story because I know there's so many parallels between the two of us and all the people, not all, but a lot of the people listening have had the same kind of chronic dieting and being, you know, I think what I've heard you call a career dieter before. Yes. Yes. Um, (laughs) So tell us a little bit of zoom the lens back today. You work with women to have a positive relationship with their bodies, but I know that that always wasn't the case for you. So I want to start from the very beginning. What was your relationship with your body? Like even, you know, as far as like growing up, yeah, I'm. I, you know, I'm sure my story is similar to a lot of the women listening. I, I, I don't remember a time when I felt comfortable in my body. I mean, I'm sure I did when I was like an infant and whatnot. But right. um, I was teased quite a bit for my body, and as a result. I felt ashamed of of my body and I was I was always a very self-conscious kid. I was always um you know shy and self-conscious and never confident and um essentially like the only way that I knew how to make that that shame and embarrassment go away was to try and fix my body. You know, I thought if I could protect myself by trying to lose weight. So you know, my interest in weight loss started at a pretty young age. And I, you know, in my household, my mom was a chronic dieter, like, and she, she never felt good in her body. And unfortunately, she still doesn't. But, um, and so I I picked up a lot of beliefs around, you know, fatness and thinness from from my upbringing, and then just being teased about my body. And so I had a pretty poor, poor body image. And so um, like I said, in order to try and fix it, I, I got into dieting when I was like, I don't know, 12 or 13, which I know a lot of women actually get into it earlier now, which is shocking and scary. But, yeah. you know, looking back, like I was I was just a kid at the time. And and that that really kind of set me on this path of having a uh, tumultuous relationship with food and and really becoming what I do call a career dieter because it it occupied almost two decades of my life of just being um, constantly on diets, like a diet junkie and an exercise addict and progressively got worse as I was in my 20s and um, got even more worse in my late 20s. Like it just kept accelerating because it was never enough. So, um, you know, it was, it was just, I would lose some weight and it was never enough. I would still hate my body. I would still feel uncomfortable in my skin. And so, um, and I just craved the validation that I got from actually losing a bit of weight. And so, um, it became much worse. I would say when I was actually introduced to the paleo diet, which was several, several years ago now that that was actually like one of the, the the one that like made me even more distorted and looking back in hindsight, because, um, you know, it actually did solve some of my health issues. Like I did feel like I had more energy and I felt like some of my digestive issues were healed. Um, and I was able to come off of my antidepressants, but I still wasn't happy with my body. And so I kind of put it on a pedestal and I thought it could solve all of my life's problems. Including my self worth, and I fell into this trap of like paleoing harder. So I was always thinking and tweaking about my food and obsessing over it, and it got to the point where I was really under eating and over exercising. And 
that's when things started to turn. So I progressively started to put weight on and um, I would go through these periods where I would be really restrictive and then eat everything. And, uh, you know, I talk about this a lot, this one particular time where I went to Portugal and I gained 10 pounds in like a week. And because I just was like on a complete like rebound from restriction, which is what your body does. Like, you know, at the time I thought my metabolism was broken, but in hindsight, my metabolism was actually just doing what a healthy metabolism does, which is try and keep your body in equilibrium. So, um, so that's, uh, that led me to uh, this point where I kind of hit like what I call like rock bottom because my hormones started to um, not function properly. I had low energy. My moods were wacky. My, I didn't have a libido. I hadn't had a period in a couple of years. And that's when I um, realized that I had an issue and I needed to start making over the way that I felt about myself and not, you know, not my food. And weight had always been my top priority. And I realized that was just a mask for my desire for acceptance. And so that was when I decided to end my career as a dieter and really start working on just loving myself and being my authentic self and letting go of the perfectionism mindset that had kept me trapped in in, in body shame. And um, through that process, uh, I decided to um, become a coach and start helping women with the same issues and really focus on on their body image and their relationship with food. Um, I think I skipped over the fact that like I was actually a nutritionist for a while and yeah. um, you know that the fact that um, my obsession with food and my obsession with weight loss is really what drove me into that career. I was like, oh, if I can make a career out of this, I can do it all the time. I can right. help other people. And it was, you know, it was like, it just kind of like fed that like disordered state of mind. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so, um, I don't really do much nutrition stuff anymore. And if I do, it's from like more of a health at every size approach. Um, but yeah, so specifically I've, I've shifted it to really help women with, with the body image stuff because, um, I just find it so, it's such a needed, area for women. And I feel like I, through my own experiences with it, um, you know, I can honestly say I do love my body now. I feel so comfortable in my skin. My weight is much heavier than it was when I was at my thinnest. Um, and, uh, and so I know that you can, you can have, you know, you can have solid self-worth and you can feel comfortable in your skin and it's not dependent on your weight. And so my, my real purpose and mission in this life is to help other women realize the same so they can start living the lives that they've been dreaming about and putting on hold. Yeah, that's so great. It's so interesting. And, and you obviously know this because you had me on your show, but there's so many parallels to my story. And I know a lot of women listening are nodding and smiling like, yep, yep been through that um and some people might be in it and it's really really good for those people to hear this I know for me when I was in it I had to hear this several times because you're not ready right like you there these articles are out there 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 were people talking about body image three years ago when I really needed it I just didn't want to see it or if I saw it I just ignored it right because we kind of see what we want to see yes did you find that as well? Yeah. Well, what's, what's interesting to me is that like, I don't think, I think when I was going through this, like body acceptance wasn't really a thing. Like I, at least not to my awareness level, but what was there was signs of, um, like disordered eating that I was ignoring. Yeah. So, so the same type of thing, like you know, I was obviously really into like the paleo scene and the paleo community, and there were absolutely 
you know, practitioners out there who are saying like women need calories, women need body fat, women need carbohydrates. But when your diet brain is at the wheel, you don't read that. Like you don't see that. You see what you want to see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you seek out, that's the way our brains work, right? Like we seek out evidence to support the beliefs that we have. And so, um, yeah, the bo- body image stuff, like I, I, I kind of, came about it almost after the fact or like through kind of the process just um because body positivity wasn't like a a big thing when I was going through it at least not to my to my awareness level but when I started to kind of discover it more I was like oh cool okay like there's there's other people you know doing this and there's actually like a very small like fringe movement and I think it probably still is very small and fringe even though we see it as as different because we're so inside that bubble um but uh, it's definitely becoming a little more mainstream now. But yeah, I mean, I wasn't ready to hear it. You're not ready to hear it because right. you have so much. You have so much tied to this like thin ideal that you've invested all this time in. And for me, it was like more than <laughs> the majority of my life. Like it was like two thirds of my life that I had spent um, invested in like chasing after this thin ideal. So it wasn't something that I wanted to give up overnight by any means. Yeah, that's exactly how I felt. I just didn't want to let it go. You know, I was so it had become my identity and and then you know for you and a lot of people i think it become when it becomes your identity it's a natural progression to make it become your career or force it to become your career because i remember like even before i, I even all of this stuff i remember like more as a child i would think like or like a preteen or teen i remember being like maybe i'll just become a personal trainer and then that way that'll like prevent me from ever being fat because that was like what I was so scared of back then. Yes. That was like the worst thing on earth. That was what I was society had conditioned me to think, right? And I was like, I'll just do that. And then that way that I'm, you know, if I'm a personal trainer, I can't be fat. So that's what I'll do. Great. Like I remember having that thought, which is so silly because like I'm not athletic and I it just was not anything I'd ever even done. And then I think when I did my yoga teacher training, I kind of had the same thought, which was much, much later. That was like at the end of college. And I was kind of like the same thing. I was kind of like, you know what? If I'm a yoga teacher, that will also exempt me from from my body ever changing. Like, mm-hmm. which is so silly. But I think, you know, when our careers are in the, these malleable places, it's when you're young, a lot of times when people are going through this body dysmorphia and just really intense dieting maybe it's disordered probably is unclear for some people but right on that borderline and then it's like oh well I'm into this this is what my my passion right now is controlling my food and controlling my weight so I might as well make that my profession and I'll go to nutrition school or something yeah, I mean, we teach what we learn, right? And yeah. so, like, I think you know that was for me. And I mean, I I don't want to say I'm, I I still do believe like food food is medicine. Although I think it can become your poison when your psychological well being is on the line. So yeah. I mean, there was an element where I was, you know, I I did I did want to do it because I did think foods were healing, and I did want to do it because I wanted to always have my own business, and I knew I didn't belong in a corporate setting, which is where I'd been for almost 10 years. But I think for, for me, like almost like coming out of the identity, like, like you said, being attached to the identity, like I was attached to this identity as like the health and fitness girl and like the nutritionist. And so, um, and I, my, I had a business that was based on like helping women to lose weight. And so that for me was like hard to, to, to almost be like, 
you know, like, whoa, like I, I, I'm wrong. Like I've, I've been like almost leading these women down like the wrong path through my mm-hmm. own mind. And I, I know that happens a ton in the health and fitness industry because a lot of personal trainers and yoga teachers and nutritionists out there go into it, um, you know, with their, with their own like slightly disordered minds, whether that, whether they realize it's disordered or not. Um, and then they're passing that information on. And I think it's really hard, especially when you're like financially supporting yourself with that to turn around and be like, Oh my God, like I was wrong. What was I doing? And, um, and there was, there was a lot of like shame around that. And my identity was associated with that. And so like, I didn't really talk openly about that at all. Like I still haven't really probably just now is what I'm talking about. Um, you know, I just gradually sort of shifted my, like my business into a different direction. But like, that was, that was hard to like, just to, to be like, oh, wow. Like I, I, I was wrong here. And, um, you know, I was, I was perhaps contributing to other people not being so, so good psychologically either. And, um, and, and yeah, but I mean, Hopefully that's I'm able to <laughs> to repent that now with, with yeah. the <laughs> I mean, I think that that's really common and the one benefit of that I think is that maybe your audience that was with you has has been with you through it all. Of course, new people will come to you, but they can kind of transition and grow as you've transitioned and grown. And they're the people who need this work the most because that's kind of been the case for me is like when I started, it was when even when I started the podcast, if you go back and listen to the archive, sometimes I cringe at the at the things that I thought and believed. And you can tell by the questions I'm asking people, which are very much like, what do you eat in a day? You know, how many chia seeds and what do I do? You know, like really, really non-intuitive eating type of questions, right? And because it really speaks to the place that I was in. But I think that that's good that that's there and that for not all the people listening right now, but a lot of you guys, hi to all of you who've been with me since the beginning. Thank you. They've been able to grow and transition and change as I have. and, And hopefully I can kind of take them along with me as I realize like, oh, whoops, guys, it's actually not about the food. You'll notice I'm not asking about that anymore because who cares? Yeah, <laughs> It's exactly. actually about making your life as a whole really beautiful and wonderful, not just your body or your plate. And I think that a lot of business owners and a lot of you know nutritionists and dietitians and trainers and all of people in the health and fitness industry um, in the service-based industry definitely, like we were saying, have that issue where – marketing wise it's very challenging if you're a body positive person with this message like you have summer of people who need this work and need this body positive message and really need this but aren't necessarily looking for it and don't know that they need it right like they they're just like happily unhappy and making dieting their career and sitting on their hands and you know and they're in that and they don't necessarily want the message of body positivity yet but that might be what they need and so it's hard to kind of attract them and so I think having that that you had been there before with the weight loss just like them I think makes you a relatable and hopefully the people who were with you then can can change with you and I think that's really beautiful Mm -hmm. yeah no I, I agree with you and I think like um it's the story that resonates, you know, totally. like much like your own story. It's like, it's, that's what connects us with, with the audience. And that's where people will find me and be like, whoa, like 
I didn't realize that I was kind of experiencing something that maybe wasn't healthy or that I didn't realize was a problem before. And so that's why it's so important that we do share our stories and that we are honest about it to to help other women and and make them realize they're not alone. Because I think that's a huge issue is that a lot of women feel like they're alone. Like I I certainly did. I certainly was like... Mm -hmm. Like what, like, what the hell am I doing here? Like, right. <laughs> I thought I was just going crazy by myself. And, um, and uh, yeah, and I was trying to hold it all together because I was like, wait a minute, I'm, I'm healthy, I'm healthy. And, and meanwhile, like, I wasn't healthy and there was actually an issue. I know. That's the interesting piece, too. We were, we were kind of doing this for the sake of health and we were thinking that we were, I mean, obviously for me and it sounds like for you, too, there were definitely underlying body image issues there. But a lot of it was like, oh, no, I'm so healthy. I'm so healthy. And in reality, we weren't at all. And I think you have a a moment where you, and I wanted to ask you about this, where it was kind of the breaking point where you realized all of this um, when you were at your naturopath's office. Can you break that down a little bit? Sure. So um, she had asked me for a food log, and um, I had brought it in, and she kind of looked at it, and she's like, I see a lot of turkey and I see a lot of kale. Do you eat any fruit? Do you eat any carbohydrates? Do you? And she was like looking at my exercise. And um, that's when she kind of was, you know, raising a little bit of a red flag. Like, I'm a little concerned here. And and I think I think she was treading carefully because she knew I was a nutritionist. So she was probably like, okay, this girl should know like what's, you know, what she should eat and like what, what a woman of her size should be eating. Um, and I had just got the hormone panel back and like my, you know, my, my hormone levels were the same as a postmenopausal woman. And, um, she told me that I needed to eat more. And she told me that I needed to stop all of my intense exercise. Exercise was always my big coping mechanism. I mean, I was like a real exercise addict. That was like my, more so than the food was the exercise that, um, I was so attached to. So when she told me that I had to stop exercising, I started to cry because she told me to stop exercising, not because my hormone levels were the same as a postmenopausal woman and that she had told me she was surprised that, uh, I was alive and that I was like functioning properly. Um, and that was like that was like the universe kind of hitting me on the head. That's when I realized that I had an issue because I was like, I'm right. sitting here crying because she's telling me I can't go to CrossFit, not <laughs> yeah. because like she's surprised I'm like functioning like a human being right now. <laughs> and that was uh, that was my wake up call. Oh man, yeah. That's I'm. Thanks for sharing that because I think hearing those wake up calls are really like those are the moments where it can, like we were saying before, sharing your story can help other people maybe become aware of the wake up calls. And I think it's just important to have conversations like this because like we were saying with the whole health and fitness industry and the service-based profession, think about all of the bloggers and people who have created their brand around being a you know, fitness blogger or fitness YouTuber, Instagrammer, whatever on social media. And even if that's not how they make their money and they, 
have no idea that or maybe they do have an idea but they're just ignoring it because they love that presence that they have so much so they're sharing and then other people are seeing that and thinking like well if she can do it then I can do it and if she can eat that way and look like that then I can do it and it just all becomes so confusing and you know first and you've said this before like it's not paleo it's not vegan it's not any of these things to blame for you know these different diets it could it could be any kind of relationship with food that's just not an exercise in your body that's just not quite right you know like I think Mm -hmm. we all know like we all know when it's not quite right like for me I knew that what I was doing wasn't quite right because I was just so not chill you know like I was just so uptight about everything and everything was a big deal where I was going what I was doing and I just was not I just wasn't as cool. And a lot of that for me is like still kind of like that's still releasing. I'm kind of it was kind of like this big bomb went off in my life and I'm trying to like pick up the pieces now and figure out how to like be a human being that that is really go with the flow and chill who is like what I was before I was so flipped out about my body and about food and about dieting and getting back to that. I think is that something that you notice too where you after going through um this whole thing and after coming out of that like after the naturopath's office did you realize that it had affected your life in negative ways like your relationships and other areas of your life and did you have to sort of go back through and rebuild that as your relationship with food and exercise became healthier I don't think I realized it at the time at all. In fact, I don't think it was until it was really healed that I started to realize it. So um, even even like very recently, you know, like say uh, a year ago or whatever, like I was hanging out with a friend and she said to me, she was like, Summer, you're just like so much more laid back and chill now. She's like, you used to just be such a control freak. You always had all these rules and you, you were just you know, always trying to control everything. And now she's like, you're just like so much more peaceful and go with the flow. And I, so I didn't really realize that, that, that other people had noticed that about me and that letting go of, you know, the control of the weight, letting go of the like control of the exercise and the food, um, would ricochet into my whole state of mind and my whole state of being. Like I, I didn't realize that um, how much that would just affect my whole persona as as a being, and that I'm a much more control, not control, chilled out person now. Um, I am still a control freak in a lot of areas. Like that's a work in progress. Like there's still, you know, like moments of perfectionism and moments of like impatience and being a control freak. But compared to what it was, like it is significantly better. And um, and so, yeah, I guess for me, like I didn't really realize it at the time until after and looking back in hindsight, like I can look back and be like, wow, a few years ago I was always a control freak and always paranoid and always um, in my own head and completely distracted and thinking about like, you know, when am I going to work out? Like, how am I going to fit this workout in? Like, that was just like always my priority. And like, if I work out, then what can I eat? And so therefore, you know, when you're constantly thinking about that stuff, you're not being present in the moment. And so that does impact your, your, your relationships and it just impacts your state of being. Yeah. And it's almost like you, when you stop focusing on, this is the case for me, I'll speak for myself. 
because we're doing all of that stuff subconsciously. We think it's for a body. We think it's so people will like us. We think it's for all of that. But I think underneath all of it, for me at least, I was doing all of that stuff to not have to deal with the reality that I about everything else in my life that I didn't want to be present that I didn't want to feel my feelings and deal with like all the other shit going on you know uh-huh. and it was a distraction it was a really good distraction and when you stop that distraction of focusing on food and weight and your body all of a sudden it's like oh you have to figure out your relationships and you have to figure out your career and you have to figure out everything else in your life and not that you weren't dealing with those things before but you were doing it from such a different place. Like for me, I was pretty high functioning as a career dieter. Like I don't know how I was getting all the other stuff in my life done to the degree that I was, but like somehow I was. But think of the capacity that I could have been doing it if I wasn't career dieting as well. You know, if I had just been focused and present. It's crazy. Yeah, it's so it's so true. I mean, it's just like this constant chatter going on inside your head. That's the best way that I can describe it. And so when you can like start to <laughs> create the space, you're able to actually really connect and focus focus on other things. And for me, yeah, it was certainly a coping mechanism. Like I'd way rather cut carbs than like feel hard feelings, you know? Yeah. Like it was like so much easier for me to be like, well, I'm just not going to eat, you know, sugar for 3 weeks than yeah. than it than it would be for me to be like hey, I'm feeling really angry right now or I'm feeling really sad right now or this piece of my life feels out of alignment and um, maybe I should address it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's kind of the – like that's kind of like this conundrum because you can go through this this um, amazing transformation where you can heal your body image and you can heal your relationship with food. But there's it's not always like this celebratory feeling at the end because then you're actually facing reality. And, you know, we, we experience a spectrum of emotions and, um, you know, some, sometimes that's sadness, sometimes that's anger. And it's really about like embracing that that's, that's what makes us human instead of trying to avoid it because trying to, you know, fix your food, trying to fix your body is really a way to avoid negative emotions. Like you're just, it's just a way for us to protect ourselves from emotional harm. Um, and so that, uh, you know, once, once you let those those guards that let that guard down, like let your shield down, you do have to experience like emotional ups and downs. And so I think, you know, often there's almost like this, this idea that if you have a positive body image, you're going to just be like amazing all the time. And that's not necessarily true unless you redefine amazing as being now I feel a spectrum of emotions and I'm actually in the moment. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it's really interesting because it, instead of being a like health coaching or body coaching thing once you get to that point it's about it's a life coaching issue it's a feeling your feelings issue and I know you recently got trained or not recently but I know that you're a life coach as well was that kind of the impetus around you wanting to do that additional training and I'd love to know you know how you what are some tools that you give to your clients through working with them one-on-one and through your programs to help with that piece of work with feeling the feeling specifically? Yeah. So, um, I, yeah, that, I mean, that was exactly it is that I just bought like body image is so much more than just body. Like it, it's, and, and, and it encompasses like your whole, 
your whole life. And anytime that like there's an area out of in our lives out of alignment, that is is something that we often can affect our our body image. And like if we think about self worth, um, because self worth and body image really go hand in hand. Self-worth is so much more than just, you know, feeling comfortable in your body. It's about really knowing like at your core that you're enough and that you're worthy and being able to move on in in your life and do the things you want to do. And so that that's why I wanted to really go into the life coaching aspect of it. And then the other side of that is beliefs. Like as you know, like body image is so much about our the beliefs that we have about ourselves. And so for me to be able to really like go deep with that with clients and uncover like what those limiting beliefs are for them, like help them uncover that for themselves and help empower them to, you know, create a new story for themselves. That's that's probably one of the most important tools that I use in terms of feeling feelings. Um, that is I'm going to, I'm admittedly like not my, not my hundred percent area of expertise. I actually have a coach that like <laughs> helps me with that and that, um, she's, she's doing a guest tutorial on my program on that. Okay. Um, but, uh, but you know what, in, like for me, feeling my feelings is about like just being present with whatever's there. And I think, you know, talking about it and sharing it and whether that's, you know, like journaling or working with a coach. So I think often when I do sessions with clients, like, I have, I really connect them to their feelings. So I'll be like, what does that feel like for you? Like any, any of my clients will tell you, like, I think every other question is like, how does that feel for you? How does that feel for you? Cause that's, that's just a way to really connect them to it and start to verbalize it and talk about it. Cause I think we just suppress our feelings so much. So journaling is a really good way and also just allowing yourself to feel. So I, I, I like to get connected to, and I encourage other people to do this, is to just like where you actually feel it in your body. So like if I'm feeling sad, like maybe that's in my throat, you know? So maybe I just like put my hand on my throat to just like feel it and let that let that sink in and let that move through. Um, if it's anger, that's often in my chest. So I'll put my hand on my chest and just like, you know, feel it and almost like feel it until it sort of starts to shift. Um so that's one technique that I use personally and that I encourage that I encourage other people to do and just ta- and talking I just think talking about it is so important like just you know like I'll just talk to my husband or talk to a friend like just get it off of your chest cuz that's that's probably one of the best ways to actually like feel feel your stuff out. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that's so crucial for me is like a good conversation with a friend or you know I don't know how much you know about um my work but my book's coming out about journaling Mm -hmm. and journaling is such a great tool for this you know because I always say it's like having a conversation with yourself where you're you know going through kind of that same dialogue that you would with a friend with yourself and it's with yourself it's kind of nice because you're talking with the most non-judgmental friend you'll ever have you know which is exactly which is always really nice yeah Um, I mean a lot of the stuff I I do with clients is like journaling stuff I mean it's that's that's where a lot of the stuff because because the reality is, is that you have all the answers for yourself. Like mm-hmm. you're not broken, you know, you don't need to be fixed. You have all these answers for yourself. Like it's, it's about you tuning into that and tapping into that. And so, um, I'm excited for your book because I will recommend it to people. Cause I do see so much power in, in writing stuff and journaling and it doesn't have to be like this, like, you know, 
huge amount of homework. No. For me, sometimes it's just like writing a phrase down, like just yeah. just something to process. Totally. And, and it makes sense that the work that I'm doing would make sense for people listening and your audience because I came to this conclusion that journaling made me feel better because of I had all the same body image shit, you know, which is all yeah. like feeling, not feeling your feelings. But like what I realize now is that for us, it's this, you know, for us, we turn to food and body image and poor body image and exercise and that sort of thing. But, and I, I used to be like, oh, why was that my issue? Like, why is like, you know, this body image stuff, the sword in my spine, you know, like, why is it so challenging for me? And just really down about it. And I was having a conversation with one of my coaches a couple months ago, um, kind of about that issue and just feeling like, oh, like, I wish that it was not this. Like, why couldn't my thing have been something else? And she was like, if it wasn't this, it would have just been something else. You would have turned to alcohol or drugs or relationships or something else like for you it happened to be this but like if it wasn't this you would have money issues or you would have family it's like it would just be it would be and I you know trust me it's not like all those other areas of my life are perfect by any means but like this is just like where I would focus and it's so interesting that we all have something that is that we want to avoid and we do that by you know eating over it controlling our food over it or and being in relationships over it or are working over it. And I've done a little bit of all of it. But I think the biggest one for me, I think we all kind of have one that's like our go-to. And at the end of the day, you're going to have to eventually feel those feelings, whether it's through journaling or talking to someone or therapy or something. But those feelings always get bubbled up to the surface. Yes, absolutely. And I've jumped from many of those different things. Like, you know, like my, like my past is goes just beyond like the exercise and the fitness addiction. Like before that, there was a lot of other like abusive behaviors in there. And like, um, and that's all I was doing. I was just like transferring from one abusive and addictive thing to, to another and, and like ultimately kind of landing on like exercise addiction. (laughs) And, but it was all stemming from the same root, which was like like this feeling of not being comfortable in my skin and not feeling like I'm like worthy or enough as a person. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting how like there's parallels between all of our relationships, you know, like our, our relationships with money, our relationship with time, our relationship with self-care, our relationship with play. Um, like they all, they all intertwine together and often there's common themes throughout. And I, I love exploring that with, with people and within myself because, um, unless you can uncover all that stuff, you know, like that it's, it's so, so sometimes there's answers in areas that, that are unexpected. You know what I mean? Like yeah. sometimes you might realize like, wow, like my relationship with money was actually a big reason why I was having, you know, these issues with my self-worth or my body image. And so it doesn't mean you're ever going to fix everything. Like nothing's ever going to be in total alignment. But if, you know, if you can look at all the different relationships in your life and really kind of assess and evaluate which ones are truly out of alignment, um, you'll, you'll be able to uncover some interesting answers that will help you to, to just be more settled and at peace and be like who, who you really want to be. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that's a good transition to what I wanted to talk about is that like it's never perfect and 
talk about what that looks like for you now. So you said before that like now you actually love your body, but what does that actually look like for you now? Yeah, like I think, um, and this is something I've been talking about a lot with, uh, like in my work and also with, with women like who have been coming on my podcast because I just find it so fascinating. Like I'll just ask them like, what does loving your body mean to you? Because I think that it's, it's a very like nebulous, if I'm using that word correctly, concept (laughs) in that, in that, um, you know, like it's not really like a thing, like you can't really define it, you know, like, and I think it's a very like unique experience. So, you know, that's one of the first things that I, that I do with, with women is to create that blueprint of like what loving your body is actually going to look like for you. Because I think we have this like perception that it's going to mean you wake up every day and you feel beautiful and you're attractive and you're like, you know, just making all this time for yourself and your life is perfect. And no, (laughs) it's like, that's not what it is at all. You know, like I think in, especially in the media, we get this idea that loving your body equals feeling beautiful all the time. And that's not what it's about. You know, loving your body is, is really about having just like this unconditional sense of, of self love, but self love is made up of messy pieces. You know, it's not always a feeling of abundance and love, you know, like there's, it's made up of a spectrum of emotions. But for me, like what loving my body is, is it's a sense of empowerment. It's a sense of peace of mind. And it's a sense of um, confidence and freedom. And Mm -hmm. so that doesn't mean that I like that means I can be in that state of mind and that state of being and still feel sadness and still feel anger. But I can still be an empowered being. I can still be confident. I can still treat myself with love and respect. Um, so I think it's about really un- thinking about how you want to feel and who you want to be and creating almost like your own definition of what loving your body is going to be for you. Because what I, what, the way that I experience it doesn't necessarily mean that's the way that somebody else is going to experience it. And so I think it's really important to create like what that picture is for you and what that looks like. So you actually know where you're going to go and to take away like the sensation of feeling beautiful. Um, you know, that's not to say I don't feel beautiful. I certainly do sometimes, but I don't really think about it that much. (laughs) You know, loving my body is really just more of a state of being where I just feel like I'm I'm enough and I'm worthy and I'm worthy of my own love and respect and I'm worthy of others love and respect and I honor that but that still means that you know I have uh, troubled relationships with my parents or um, you know with friends or uh, you know my husband and I will have a fight or um, you know I, I get into a situation that I feel really angry or where I feel disappointment or regret you know like that's just that's life and that's living but that doesn't mean you're not loving your body through it it just means you're be able to offer yourself that kindness respect and compassion most importantly to to support yourself Yeah, that's so good. One other thing that on this topic of body image that I think is so important um, is, and this is like the the thing that I really think is important to ask people who really get it, who have kind of been through this. And on again, nothing's perfect. So when you're having a bad body image moment, what do you do to make sure it doesn't turn into a bad body image day? And if it does, that it doesn't turn into a bad body image week? Basically, how do you shift yourself out of that in the moment? 
any like tools or tips that you can give about that? Yeah, sure. I mean, I like, I have to be honest, my, I don't, I don't get a ton of like bad body days any, anymore. There's so few. Yeah. There's so few and far between. I, I, you know, I, I did like, I wrote about this in my blog like a year ago. I had like a really, like I went into like a total bad body image rod. I haven't really had one in, in like a year, which is really cool, but I still have like these major periods of self-doubt and self-loathing. So I will, I will put that under the same umbrella because it's the exact same thing. It's just a transfer. Instead, it's not my body I'm picking apart. It's like another part of my psyche and being, Mm -hmm. you know, because self-doubt never goes away completely. Like, and I think that's a really important message for everyone to, to, uh, to listen to and to know is that self-doubt never goes away completely. It's impossible. Um, And so if it's not showing up about your body, which is awesome, it's going to show up in another area of your life. So for me, the most important thing to, to manage it is, is one, just like this, this deep trust that I know it's going to pass, you know, like, and that's just part of letting go and surrendering and just trusting that it will pass. And the only reason why I've built up that trust is because I've experienced it. But I think that that's, that's an important thing I come back to is that knowing that like, okay, this feeling is temporary because often what we want to do is we want to jump to a conclusion. You know, we want to jump to an action to try and make it go away. And so especially as this relates to body image, that's usually some form of dieting or exercise. You know, like it's like, oh my God, I hate my body. Okay, what can I do? Okay, I won't eat dessert tonight or like I'm going to go to the gym. Like, and, and so we, we leap to try and f- fix it. And so the first thing I do is just trust that it will pass and let it sit and let it mull over in me. The next thing I do is really just feel like I'll speak how I'm feeling. So, you know, I'll speak it. Am I feeling ashamed? Am I feeling embarrassed? Am I feeling disappointed? Am I feeling sadness? Like what's the actual feeling that I'm feeling? Um, and then try and figure out like maybe what's what perhaps is triggering it, you know, Um because often for me, it's like chaos and stress. Like if I have too much on my plate, if I've committed to too much, if I haven't honored my boundaries, I turn it inwards on myself. And that's often when like I, I um, will have a bad body image day. Um, more recently, it's like if I'm taking a risk, if I'm being vulnerable and I'm not look, t- taking care of my self-care needs enough, that's when I have like my self-loathing days for sure. So I try and assess like what's actually going on here. Okay, Summer, like you haven't been tending to your needs. You're feeling sad or whatever it is I'm feeling. And then what I do is I tap into my voice of compassion because compassion is really our inner wisdom. This is when I'm going to sound really woo-woo, which is no. funny because like I'm not really woo-woo, but I, I totally am woo-woo. Yeah, it's um, okay. I am. So <laughs> um, Our voice of compassion. And so – you know, one of the ways that I that I teach this to women and to clients is one of the best ways to do it is to really like close your eyes and try and just create some space in your mind um, and put your hand on your heart and, you know, really just ask your heart, like, what what is your advice for me right now? Like, what what is it that you want to tell me? And that's that's your voice of compassion. And that's the voice and the wisdom that you want to listen to. And so that is, that's, you know, in a, in a very short span of time, what I just said is what I would do. So actually identify the feeling, figure out like why it's actually showing up and tap into my voice of compassion. And then, you know, from there I talk about it. Like I will talk to whoever, whether it's 
a coach that I work with, uh, my husband, a friend, my mom, if she's the right person at that time, which often is not, but <laughs> um, <laughs> but somebody who's going to listen to me and uh, to just to just be able to like process what's actually going on because sometimes you know like it's just these stories that we tell ourselves like they just become these like elaborate big stories in our head and so often when we can just like write it out whether it's journaling or talk about it we can see the the non-exaggerated version of what's actually happening or somebody who we trust will kind of tell us like okay so this is actually what's going on like and you're turning it into this you know Mm -hmm. um and and I and I mean just like taking care of myself like for me it's like I know when I need to just like step away from work or step away from social media or step away from, um, you know, plans with friends because I just need time by myself, like just to recharge. And so it's about honoring like what, what do I really need right now? You know, what do I really need? Like exercise? Probably not. Restricting food? Absolutely not. Like, what do I really need? I need to, like, just lay on my couch, maybe order some takeout, and just, like, chill out. So um, that's that's often what, like, self-care looks like for me. Mm. So whatever that is for you, you know, like, and, and that's, I mean, that's, that's what I do. And it doesn't always work. Like, sometimes the self-loathing will last for days or a week, um, And, but again, like I always just come back to like, I trust that it will pass. I trust that it will pass. It's out of my control. And I just keep like repeating the things that I know I need to do. And if it's persistent, I ask for help. Like I have coaches that I will ask for help. Uh, that is something that I am never ashamed to admit. Like if I had my stuff together, I would be such a liar. Like I don't think anyone does. And I think we all need people that we can lean on when things get to a point where, um, we can't sort it out on our own or, or we need additional support for someone to just really help us work through it. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. I, I feel like you're just like making this podcast like so easy for me. Like I just don't even, I mean, I probably talked way too much already, but I don't even need to talk anymore because yeah, I just agree with everything you said and that self-care looks different on everyone. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I don't have a bathtub. So like, uh, that's never been my thing. Like I, you know, like a piece, some people meditate, like I, I, that's never really been my thing either. You know, like I'm, I'm a nature girl, like I'll just go out and like stare at the ocean for a bit, you know, like that's really kind of my form of spirituality. So you just, I mean, it's what works for you. Like, that's, that's the thing is just, you you know, what works for you. Mm -hmm. So I can't tell you exactly that. But that's really, you know, I, I think the biggest thing, it, the voice of compassion is the biggest thing. Like if I could just tell like one piece of advice to every woman out there, it's like strengthen your voice of compassion. Because if you can do that and make that like your priority and like something that you work on, um, just like you worked on dieting or exercise, you, you know, you're going to accelerate this process so much more because that's really where all of this comes from is, is strengthening that inner wisdom and that, that kindness within yourself. Mm, sure is. I love that. So tell us about how you how you help people with this stuff. How do you work with people? And I think you have a course coming up. Um, can you tell us like what that is all about? How does how does does any of this come into play? Anything we're talking about here? Is it covered in there? Yeah. What's, what's going on? 
Yeah. So, I mean, I work, I work one-on-one with women all over the world, um, you know, through my, through my coaching programs, I have a 21 step body image remix, which is like a very, um, uh, it's a 21 day body image program. I was going to say very basic, but that's like, that was like, I was like, why would I say that? That's not true at all. But it deals with a lot of the the opposite of that. (laughs) Well, it's, it's more like begin, like, it's more like, okay, you want to improve your body image. Like this is like a kickstarting process for it. And it does actually, it does address some of the stuff that we talked about, like, like strengthening your voice of compassion, how to manage bad body days. Um, but it also has things in it that, that are like, um, I would say are really important to do if you're new to body image, like get rid of your scale, get some clothes that fit and stuff like that too. So, um, that's my 21 step body image remix. My my big program, the one that you're referring to, is my flagship program. It's called Rock Your Body, and I run it once a year, and it's a three-month group coaching program. But right now, I have a free video training series um, to to uh, introduce people to my work, and specifically um, for the woman who feels like she has a lot to be proud of, but none of it really seems to matter because she's just bogged down by this persistent negative chatter in her head telling her she's not good enough. And she just wants to stop fighting over her stomach. She wants to stop comparing herself to other women and feeling despair every time she sees a picture of herself. And she's just over letting her body dictate her worth and her happiness. So this, I mean, if that's speaking to you, like this program is for you. For you. And so the three. It tra- really is so good. I'm so <laughs> like, it's, it's really, I checked it out and I'm, I'm a huge fan. So it Thank helped me you. a lot. Yeah. Thank everyone you. needs to, to check this out. Yeah. So the three free training videos, like the first one is like, what, like, what does loving your body actually mean? You know, like it's not this like airy fairy bullshit that we think it is. And so that's the first video. And it is like, it's painting that picture of what that means for you. So I actually give you an exercise to do that. So we talked about that today. So that if you want to actually go and do it, this is how I do it with my clients. Um, it's in that first video. And then the next two videos are just kind of the next two things that support that. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, the, the actual program itself will open for enrollment on, on March 16th and that closes on Friday, April 1st. And that's, that's a group program and it, and it goes deep and it really, it goes beyond just kind of this surface body image stuff. It really looks at like self-worth and discovering your identity beyond like health and fitness looking at, um, body image from like a social perspective. I've got amazing guests uh, tutorials in it. One, one being like that life coach I was talking about, my friend Carrie on who, who really deals with like feeling the feelings, um, which I'm so excited to have her in there. But, um, but so, so yeah, I mean, you, I think you'll have a link for this, all this in the show notes for people who want to check link in the show notes. And at the beginning of this, I said, which my future self will say (laughs) a special short link that you guys can go to, but yeah, just click the album art. If you're listening on your phone and the links in the show notes. Sweet. Cool. So let's um, shift out of talking about body image and talk about some other stuff. So I love asking people this question to get a little insight on what their day is like. So can you walk us through what your morning routine looks like and maybe the first couple things you do when you get out of bed in the morning and how that affects the rest of your day? Sure. My day is like so repetitive. So I get up at 630. The first thing I do is I hop in the shower. I have a shower and then I feed my dog and I take him out. And then I make myself breakfast and I sit on the couch and I watch TV with my breakfast and my husband. 
and then I and then I and I make myself coffee and I and I work and then I get into work. I, I'm working by like seven thirty or seven in the morning. Like I like usually by seven thirty. I like to get stuff done really early. I'm totally a morning person. Um, Same. And so I don't like that's when my brain is like at its high functioning capacity so I don't do any like I know some people will do um you know some self-care type stuff in the morning like no like I need to be like I I work and the first thing I do is I check email and social media (laughs) which is like a lot of a lot of business people will be like don't do that but for me I have like an online community so I just like to go scan through and answer any questions in there. It's kind of what I do for about half an hour while I'm enjoying my coffee and then I do writing. Like that's when I write most of my blog posts or any of my program content happens in the mornings. And so um that's my weekday morning routine. On the weekends it's like it's like get up, lazily make breakfast, drink coffee, take the dog to the beach. And that whole process lasts like three hours. <laughs> First of all, it's really cool that you live on the beach. Secondly, <laughs> I really like what you said about, you know, your brain power being the best in the morning. And, you know, I feel the same way. I used to have a very, very long morning routine of self-care. Yeah. And I still do a couple things. Um, but I've really, like, cut that in half because I want to get right into work because what makes me actually feel self-care in the mornings is if I can, like, get a bunch of big things done so I feel like I have momentum of being productive that day and then I can, like, in the afternoon I can do self-care or in the afternoon I can kind of relax more because I feel stressed in the afternoon if I, like, if it's, you know, 12 p.m. and I haven't, I've gotten, like, one thing done for work because I've been, like, you know, yeah, getting into I'm, the day for that long, you know, I like to just get it over way. with. Yeah, yeah. the exact same way. And I like I shut down like around like three thirty. So that's like I finish up. I finish early. You know, for the most part, I try and finish like finish up early because, um, especially where I live in the summertime, like it's like you want to be outside. Like <laughs> I don't. I do yeah. not want to be. I do not want to be working. But it's really just it's about it's about recognizing my flow and taking advantage of like when like when, when my mojo is really going. And for me, like that's, that's the morning. So I tend to just be like in my, that's when I do all my writing. Yeah, totally. That's 100% me too. I really have to like, if it's not in the morning, I really have to like get myself into the, yeah, it's hard. It takes a lot more work and I have to have the tea and I have to be at the coffee shop and I have to like have everything I need where in the morning I can just like sit down pump some stuff out, and then I feel really good about myself. Yeah, me too. I'm with you. So the other end of the day, um, what are some of the things that you do in the evenings to wind down, shut down, relax before you go to bed? Maybe the last few things. Um, so, I mean, this is like I, – I, I watch TV. I love TV. I'm not – I have no shame in the fact that no. I love TV. <laughs> I think it's fantastic. So I need like two hours of downtime in the evening. So I – I can't, like, I'm an introvert. I can't go out and then, like, go to bed. Like, I need, like, two hours of, like, laying on my couch and just, like, you know, watching TV. And then I always read. I always read for about, like, half an hour before bed as well. So I have another shower. I have this thing with, like, being clean. It's, like, this weird, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> OCD-ism. Like, I have to shower, so I'll shower. And I was then... just talking to someone else on the podcast Who's had the same thing. And I'm, like, the opposite, at least with shower. Like, I wash my hair once a week. I shower every day, but, like, I wash my hair once a week. 
there are days when I don't shower. Like, I guess I'm gross. Oh, no. <laughs> this I, other I, person I, was, like, the same way. I have to shower twice a day. Like, sometimes it's, like, three times a day. Like, <laughs> it's, like, insane. I guess that's a form of self-care for me, though. I just, yeah. No, I, it's great. Like, I like the process of, like, showering and, like, putting on a different outfit. Um, and by I different like outfit, it. I mean, like, Pajamas. different yoga pants. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, no, I'll, I'll, I'll like, I'll generally like watch some TV and then just read and just, just go to bed. It's not, it's nothing really, there's, there's no like bells and whistles to it. Nice. That's, that's kind of the best way that they are. Um, all right. So some quick fire questions. So just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Okay. Favorite color. Blue. Favorite yoga pose. Oh. You have one. Uh, child's pose. Nice. Favorite day of the week. Saturday. Favorite hour of the day? 9 a.m. Favorite vegetable? Uh, broccoli. Favorite fruit? Banana. What's the best thing you've eaten in the last week? Okay, so I had this, like, amazing... They're called... I think they're called Napoleon. It's, like, this Italian pastry. It's, like, this pastry with, like, custard in the middle... Um, it's like all these layers of pastry with like layers of custard throughout and then this like layer of icing on top. It's from this Italian bakery. It's like the most amazing thing ever. Whoa, that sounds delicious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was at a dinner party I was at, yeah. That's amazing. Um, what does your, if you were to have a superhero power for a day, what would it be? Um, to be able to breathe underwater. Mm-hmm. Whoa, no one's ever said that before. Cool. I mean, you could just go snorkeling, but... That's what I would... Yeah. Well, no, but I would go deep. Like, I would... I love, the, so cool. I love water. I'm a water person. That's yeah. so cool. Uh, that makes sense with the showers. Yeah, I guess so. Are you an Aquarius? Sign? I'm a Pisces, so Pisces. I'm fish, yeah. Cool. Very cool. Okay, so you're having a dinner party. Um, what would you cook for everyone? Who would you invite? You can invite, like, five people. What do you hope someone... In, turns and asks you at the party and what do you hope no one asks you that you just don't want to talk about anymore oh my god this is okay you might have to repeat some of those okay i always <laughs> i always make like tacos because i really oh yeah i'm, like, I'm the, like craving tacos today i make the best slaw i make the best like jicama and pineapple oh slaw. stop it it's like so good. so good and you actually put it on the tacos yum so, and add some crunch i bet yeah, it's delicious. I make that at dinner parties a lot. Um, I would invite my uh, my girls, my my closest girlfriends from from university. There's like a group of like five of us that I'm Aww. just like so tight with that I live so far away from them now. But um, and uh, what were the other two questions? What do I want them to ask me? Uh huh. And what do you hope that no one brings up? Um. Oh my God. What do I want them to ask me? I want them to ask me how I'm doing. <laughs> that's <laughs> so basic. <laughs> no, that's good, though. That's what kind of we all want to be asked, I think. Yeah. How are you doing? Um, what I don't want them to ask me, uh, I don't want them to ask me about my weight. <laughs> How's that? Amazing. <laughs> Not that they would, but that's just like something I don't like people asking me about, you know? Yeah, really of course. Care. <laughs> nobody does that's it's such a dumb thing to talk about I always say that like if I was to be asked this question I would be like please don't say anything about like the amount of calories in the food that we're eating or like f making a food 
good or bad that we're eating or mm-hmm. anything about like diet culture or weight. Like I just, I'm so over it. No, yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I think the biggest thing that makes me cringe is when people are like, you look good. Like your body looks good. And I'm just like, uh, that, like it's my body's just like, I have no emotional attachment to it anymore. So it's, I'm just kind of like, okay, like I don't, okay, yeah. let's change the subject. Cause I don't really know how to handle yeah, like, it. That used to be my favorite thing ever. Like I'd be like, Oh my God, like, thank you. I'd be like crying. Like, I so know. it's them like, trying to, I to always take that as like, it's their way. And culture in the society of diet and thinness obsession that like it's their way of trying to give you a compliment but it's yeah not working (laughs) most of my friends are familiar with my work so it really yeah at least that I would invite yeah wouldn't have it at your party that's good (laughs) that's good um so what's the best advice that you've ever gotten and the worst advice um what uh, I've gotten a lot of really good advice one of the biggest ones is respect your pace hmm um, respect your pace. So just, uh, you know, what that means is essentially like, don't compare yourself to where other people are at in terms of the journey and honor, like, however long it takes you to do what you want to do. Um, worst advice I ever got was to, uh, cut carbohydrates. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That'll do it. Um, What can you think of a time that you've laughed really hard or like one of the hardest times? All, all honestly, all the time. My husband just like he just ki- he kills me. Like he's just mm-hmm. he like he he just makes me laugh, and that's one of the reasons why I, I love him so much. Um, you want a specific moment? Oh sure. My God. Yeah, if you can think of one. I don't know if I can think of one. I might have to come back to it. Okay, next time. Yeah. So you're trapped on a deserted island and you can bring with you one TV show to binge watch, one book to read, one movie, one food that you would get sick of. Go. Okay. TV show, The Mindy Project. Oh, so good. (laughs) Movie, Mean Girls. (laughs) Nice. Um, Book, um, oh God. Ah, The Secret Garden. Um, food, food, um, I, I like, you know, what's coming into my mind is banana cream pie, but I, I feel like I got really sick of that. So yeah, it'd be kind of, it might be kind of heavy. Like <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to say steak. Cause I know I'd probably want some steak. I'd want some meat. Nice. Or, nice. Yeah. <laughs> And then you wouldn't have to, like, go out and hunt. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You yeah. could probably find some bananas and fruit on the on the island. <laughs> I, I could probably make one with coconuts and bananas. I'm pretty, I'm pretty resourceful. Yeah, my... there you go. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so what is your favorite thing about your life right now? Um, the... The, the freedom that I've, I've worked really hard to give myself a sense of freedom. So I think, um, that, that to me is my biggest thing. Like being, being my own boss, being able to kind of choose, make my own hours and, and do stuff like that was, has been a long time, uh, a long work in progress. So I think that's, that's the greatest thing for me mm-hmm. and freedom from like body image shit as well. Yeah. Just overall freedom. Yeah. That's really cool. So, okay, so recommend the following. So can you recommend first a movie, any movie that 
you know, either one you liked really a lot recently um, or, you know, something kind of lately that other than Mean Girls, because you already said that one as your favorite. So anything that you can recommend, because basically, like, I want a, you know, a movie suggestion to watch tonight. <laughs> I, I loved Straight Outta Compton. Like, oh, I, I haven't seen it yet. It- yeah, I just watched it a few like a few weeks ago and like talk about, you know, like cultural revolution. Mm-hmm. That that movie is all about kind of like that that cultural revolution and and uh and I just I loved it. And I love like I love the music in it. So, um great, great movie. Cool, cool. Okay, good. That was a good one. Um same thing for book. Any book that you can recommend that you've read recently or that's comes to mind? Um what have I read recently? I think I read The Girl on the Train. That was pretty good. Nice. Yeah. I love I love books like Gone Girl, like yeah. anything Jillian Flynn. Um, anything where there's like a female protagonist and there's some kind of like mystery and thriller aspect to it. So um, recently I read The Girl on the Train and that, that's pretty good. Cool. Um, song, any music that you want to recommend that you've been listening to lately or that you just really like? Anything there? I love the Foo Fighters, anything by the Foo Fighters. Nice. Cool. All right. So as you know, the name of my podcast and this blog is The Wellness Wonderland. So when I offer that term to you, Summer, to live in a wellness wonderland, what comes up? What does that mean to you today? Um, To live in a wellness wonderland means um, just being surrounded by beautiful things in nature mountains and ocean is my own wellness wonderland and um and and I come back to freedom because I just think this this is like ever-present force to me that really defines um a state of being that is is like this this beautiful state of being and to me that's wellness yeah Mm, so well said thank you so much for that and everything else that you shared this is such a great conversation thank you for coming thank you thank you for having me Thanks for listening. You made it all the way to the end. I'll be back next week, but until then, let's stay inspired and keep this conversation going. So tweet at me, at Katie Dalebout, and our guest with your aha moments from this conversation. And like the Wellness Wonderland on Facebook, so we can all hang out there and discuss how inspired we are and how we'll apply it in our daily lives. And never miss another episode or post from me by signing up for email updates on thewellnesswonderland.com. See you back in Wonderland.